two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. So, I learned something this week, Josh. Oh, okay. I thought that I was like a hot shit carpenter, right? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I've built flats with you before, you know? Like, yeah, you I, I know hours. my way around a coping saw, you know, but... <laughs> so, we bought a new dresser, because... The one that I inherited from my great-grandmother who died, like, 14 years ago, just... Well, it was old when I got it, and it kind of has just fallen apart before my eyes. Okay, wait. So, I don't want to cut you off. It's hilarious that you say that. Because, yeah, for a solid five, six years, my bedroom set, I also inherited from my great-grandmother who passed away. (laughs) I think, like... I, I, I really, think that's you a know, thing. I, it's got to be like I really got to. That's I, a thing for you know. I, I appreciate the quality yeah. of it. Like, <laughs> no, goddamn, that, this. Good. I think she got this thing in like seventy. It's got brass, like it's like <laughs> lemon wood yellow with brass poles. It's ugly as fuck, right? Yeah. And yeah. like Amanda has a dresser at her parents' house, and she's like, "Well, let's get that. We'll just get that." I'm like, "Number one, that thing is nine hundred pounds, and we live on the yeah. third story, and you're not, not gonna, gonna help me." That. So yeah, that one won't happen. happen. So anyway, long story short, we just pony up 250 bucks for a new one. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, do you want to get it assembled? Or should we go to go to American and like buy it off the floor? And I was like, ah, fuck it. I can assemble it. Boy, right. Josh, yeah. <laughs> guess what? I still have sitting in my living room from two days. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking boards everywhere. And the best part is that she was in Moab this weekend. She went out to uh, the mm. park up there. She wanted to check it out. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to show up on Thursday. You're going to bust it out on Friday when she's gone. And Sunday when she gets home, it's going to be in the bedroom and it's going to be so great. <laughs> and I don't even know how to install the goddamn runners for the drawers, man. I'm just at a loss. <laughs> and <laughs> Like, there's this, like, chimera before me. And it's like, oh god, th- and, like even, like, the wood isn't all labeled. Some of it's labeled. And I'm just like, okay, mm. okay, like... Yeah. Maybe I'm overthinking this, and like I tried to follow the directions, and I'm just so maybe Monday is the magical day when a dresser yeah, gets made. Yeah, magical Monday. Yeah, when we first came to Columbus, that was just about five years ago. We were also very intentional, like okay, here's this again, like old hand-me-down wardrobe and stuff, or like couches and things. Let's just garage sale as much of this as we can. We'll pack the rest to Columbus, and then if we find that we need something still, then wouldn't you know it, uh, there was an Ikea that just opened up Oh uh, shit! in Columbus. And so, yeah, I think I have uh, fully, I think like four or five Ikea. Yeah, like our desk downstairs, definitely. I got a couple of bookcases up here in my little <laughs> wizard's tower corner. Um, and it does, like, it. it I... It's weird because it's like the like meme is, oh, if your relationship can survive assembling a flute stock uh, dresser, then yeah, you, there's nothing that will tear you and your significant other apart. And yeah, going to be real, like uh, the Mrs. Wizard and I putting together my little corner desk here, 
There were some heated moments, uh, <laughs> times where we had to walk away. I had to walk away or she had to walk away, but it does. It like, so I can't even imagine trying to undertake that single-handedly. And, uh, <laughs> well, I was like trying to play some Civ and I just like, was, I was like, yeah, I'll bust it up my front room and nah. <laughs> so like she texts me this morning, she's leaving or she's going to be home at, you know, two thirty or whatever. It's like, you're going to beat me home. There's a, a half, like. It's essentially like the Death Star 2 of dressers right yeah. now. There's a superstructure, but there's no drawers. There's it's missing some big fucking chunks. Like, <laughs> Yeah, still functional. You can put clothing inside there somehow. <laughs> I can't just set it in. <laughs> no, honey, like it's supposed to like this is the thing to like drape things over. I don't know if it's supposed to look like that. No, trust me. This it's what the direction said. It's just a board that's sticking up perpendicular to the ground. Yeah, but should the screws be like that? Don't don't worry about those. That's just for the clothes hangers. This is postmodern furniture, honey. It's gonna get a little fucking weird. Yeah, let's not get hung up on yeah old modernist style of like a single cohesive whole. That's so. 1940 we're in the postmodern the postmodern furniture (laughs) oh golly well you know what else you know what else is maybe seemingly haphazardly thrown together and slapped on and tape is showing and maybe there's yeah some blood stains on it but is nonetheless entertaining and functional and beloved by many. What, what's that? The Two Wizards Podcast. The Two Wizards Podcast. Two Wizards Podcast. <laughs> I know I have that Allen wrench somewhere. <laughs> no, I don't need to go to Home Depot. <laughs> oh, I also learned I don't have a, an actual hammer in my house. I just have my fucking rock hammer. <laughs> so that was a better. fun, like... That was a fun trip yesterday, like very gently, like tapping with like <laughs> the square, tiny head of a rock hammer. And I'm like, all right, if you do this too hard, you're going to blow through this fucking particle board. But yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But yes, it is. It is nonetheless lovingly assembled by by both of us. That's us. That's our relationship. That's our couple that's figuring out how to put this thing together and <laughs> oh. deliver it for you right here. And uh, that includes me, Josh, and I'm a wizard. <laughs> and I'm Mark, and I sure, I'm glad I'm a wizard because I sure shoot Nate no carpenter. <laughs> or an hourly but, wage slave at American Furniture Warehouse that has to assemble this shit for God knows how many hours right. a day. And maybe See, it's but, cathartic yeah. once you get it like you know, a method about it, but wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I think that's also precisely it. Yeah. Like familiarity breeds contempt, that whole thing just as like, uh, or yeah, like city mouse, country mouse. Uh, I'd like to see one of those hourly American furniture warehouse types, uh, deal with people screaming at you that the strawberries aren't ripe. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it is, man. Just like different different strokes for different folks. But uh, but but all the same, it's wonderful to have you joining us once more. Uh, and and yeah, I think 
Um, yeah, Mark and I collabed on this episode together, so it's not like... Well, well, we don't know what the other one has prepared, but we do kind of right. know what the general topic is. And um, yeah, I think also kind of as a way to introduce that topic, uh, you, you also gave me some special instructions for my wizard's tankard, Mark. And I don't know if you would like me to lead off or if you would like to take the helm. What yeah. are we drinking tonight? I don't know. Weird shit. So what we're talking about tonight, guys, is real fake mm. cryptids. And a lot of it yes. is just, we're, we're going to be talking about, like, you know, graph taxidermy and, like, the idea of taking, like, you know, the head of a deer and the ass of a bear and putting that ass on the deer's face so it gives them, like, a weird beard thing going on. So we made weird not cocktails. And, yeah, Josh, what do you got with you? Because... Well, yeah, just exactly to your point, whatever, whatever, like, oh, here's the scraps off of this animal and like half of this bird or whatever. Um, I and and I did. I I took a picture. I'll make sure to share this around. Um, this is, I think, an appropriately kind of freaky green. Uh, <laughs> but let's see. Let's see if I can remember what all this comes from. So I have r- roughly, roughly speaking, this is like. One third blue curacao, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I I forget if that was a part of one of our drinks or if that was something that just the Mrs. Wizard and I got. Uh, so yeah, one hurricanes. part blue curacao. Hurricanes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because remember, I turned uh, mine into grimace juice when I fucked up the grenadine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, yeah, equal parts or one, roughly one third Southern Comfort. Okay. From our that was when we Dunwich were reading Love, yeah, Lovecraft's Dunwich Horror, and we had proper like Mountain Dew, um, and then the other Kukuka Callback, <laughs> a year, nearly a year and a half ago. I still oh, have, I still have creme de menthe. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! From. Twelve drinks of Christmas. From twelve drinks of Christmas, make the Taylor. So yeah, uh, equal parts of each, and and I admit I I like took a tentative sip, just to see if this would like play ball at all. Yeah. And that 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 pony was bucking mighty fierce. So I had to like eat, I had to smooth it. <laughs> I had to even it all out with like a couple splashes of lime juice, and I think I have something okay. workable. I okay. Think I, so right yeah. On. So yeah, and it is. It's this freaky bluish green, maybe oddly appropriate of Frankenstein. Um, but uh, that's what I have. That's what I have with me. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> what about you, buddy? What is looking good or looking not so good? So I call this little treat a Wrong Island iced tea. <laughs> and what it is is a, a, a bit of hold blue curacao. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, you're I'm fine. Sorry. Okay, but but also blue curacao. That's our that's our blue theme curacao. Here. Yeah, you, that's a um, Yeah, blue curacao, uh, vanilla vodka from God knows what. I want to say from Twelve Drinks of Christmas. I think um, also. Yeah. Shit, I wrote all this down because I wanted to keep track of the recipe. Um, triple sec, Campari, and then a dash of 151. I have it in a shaker here, listeners. You can hear it. And oh, I'm about boy. to add it to a, to my I drink and I know things glass, and it is a blue color. Ooh, it smells terrible. Fucking a. 
Yeah. And uh, I'm going to add some ginger beer. And okay, we're gonna, okay, nice. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah, a little ginger beer float on top of that. I. Well, yeah, I, I think I may want to call this like uh, Frankenstein's orange juice and toothpaste because that's about what it smells like between the blue curacao and lime juice and creme de menthe. But um, yeah, uh, here, here's, here's on you, buddy. Cheers, cheers, good buddy. I'm gonna stir that a touch. Oh, that just smells bad. No smart. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. Huh. Yeah? How was it? I don't I don't know, Josh. It's um <laughs> Fuck, it's not really bad at all. I had a beer on deck for backup, but I don't think I'm gonna need it. Yeah, well and same with mine. Like it's I um like if the name power aid wasn't already taken, I would have yeah, so like, yeah, this is like a Powerade and like battery acid kind of thing going on. It's not terrible. I think, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be okay with this. So here we go. Here we are. Mine looks like Baja Blast Mountain Dew. I think mine has the same, yeah, like the same kind of shade there. Isn't it oh, ironic, boy. Josh, in a non-Lovecraftian episode, we have our most Lovecraftian wizards goblin tanker yeah, true. chalice. Yeah, Tinker Chalice, all, all the above. Well, but but also it is, I think, very thematically fitting that, yeah, here's just things that we've had left over. And this, I swear to God, yeah, that same creme de menthe that has just been like sitting above my stove. <laughs> at, yeah, like a year and a half of like cooking and preparing meals and like having, yeah, it's like, I, I, I got to get rid of this. It's got to go. It's time. <laughs> And yeah, I guess in a fitting sort of tribute that I can't think of a better way to yeah actually just get rid of the son of a bitch. So <laughs> I almost went insane, and I found a t- somehow from some party or something we picked up a tiny shooter of Evan Williams cherry. Oh God! And I was like, you've already got triple sec and curacao for like orange cherry and or you hate cherry flavor anyway. You put you put that in this, yeah. you're gonna die. Yeah, that could be that could be extra extra bad there so so that's okay but but also yeah like you're saying in the spirit of this episode theme definitely well so okay and i know that there's going to be maybe some like pedants out there that'll like push up their glasses and be like actually aren't aren't all cryptids fake and hoaxes and but we're but we're focusing like on demonstrably no people have come forward afterwards and said like yeah that was me I got bored or I was trying to like, um, yeah, like pull a fast one on like the Royal Society of like scientists or whatever. So these are like demonstrably people have come, come up afterwards and said like, okay, yeah, that I, I cobbled this thing together. I took a splish of this and a splash of that. And <laughs> the, yeah, so like that's, that's what we're talking about today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this will okay. be like it's not technically April's first episode, but hey, April Fools, guys! Ha ha! It's all a trick. It's right. all a joke, and that's yeah. Like essentially, most of this is just like practical jokes that right. some people took way too seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see what what sort of new things come up here. Uh, yeah, and drinking, yeah, an equal sort of like collage of a cocktail 
that nobody would think to put this together. But who knows? Maybe this is also going to inspire some people. Mark, what if what if the wrong island iced tea makes it into like some mixology book? <laughs> At some point. I- I would, I, I would just, you know, that'd be insane. I'd be super yeah. happy about that one. <laughs> All right, that well, would be, so, that'd be crazy. Like, yeah, you know, that'd, that'd be I've been pushing Great White Buffalo now for almost two years, and nothing came of that. But hell, maybe Wrong Island Iced Tea is the ticket. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That it could very well be. So, um, w- w- would you like to start us off? Would you like the honor? Would you like me to talk about one? What are you thinking, man? Go ahead and start with. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with Jackalope. Okay, because I think okay. that's yes. the easiest Be- way to do this. Yeah, that is the easiest, and it's one that's also yeah been been a been a staple of yeah yeah like a couple of Two Wizards podcast episodes because that was that was my candidate for uh, Cryptid Cabinet. Mm-hmm. Um, he came back, tried to redeem himself for Cryptid Olympics, but totally, yeah, uh, crapped the bed on that one. So, arguably the unofficial mascot of this podcast is a arguably, I'm yeah, pretty could, sure could like... be the jackalope, could be the jackalope. But, um, but yeah, so so my my source here, uh, I'm going off of Mythology.net and all the wonderful resources that this uh, website has compiled about the jackalope but uh but yes just in case if you are joining us uh just now and you missed out on the cryptid olympics and you missed out on cryptic cabinets uh, uh yeah on cryptid cabinet uh what is a jackalope well a jackalope is a creature that's going to be yeah like you might imagine from the name part jackrabbit uh and then part antelope or deer or something like that and it's basically uh, yeah, a critter that has the body of a jackrabbit, maybe a little bit bigger, probably a little bit bigger, and also a pair of antlers. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and so that's what it is. And not quite like the Great Plains, but yeah, like sort of that like halfway point between like Great Plains and Rocky Mountain states. Um, apparently, it's like especially big in Wyoming. Like mm-hmm. there's a whole thing. And in fact... In um uh, uh I believe it's Douglas, Wyoming, okay. has like a has like a full on, yeah, Douglas, Wyoming, um, has like a full on like outdoor statue of a jackalope, and it's like I don't know, like six feet tall, something like that. Um, oh damn! Okay, and and yeah, it, and it, and it's wonderful, and it's wonderful. Um, and so the story goes. That the first jackalope was supposedly caught in 1829 by a trapper named Roy Ball. And it was mounted and put on display in uh, 1934 and shown to uh, uh, tourists and uh, people coming in to to take a look at it. Uh, And so while apparently this inspired... I don't know, maybe dozens or hundreds or thousands of people to <laughs> go to Wyoming to try and find their own jackalope. Um, it, 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 it later came out that like, no, this is very clearly an invention by, by two brothers, by two brothers. And this is uh, Douglas and Ralph Herrick, oh, okay. who, who lived in Wyoming, uh, taking some taxidermy classes, and so, you know, being being young 
young men out there in Wyoming being a bit of scamps, they thought that they would that they would play a bit of a prank. Um, and <laughs> and how they had the inspiration of, about this was apparently one one day they returned to their shop with like a proper jackalope uh, hide, and I don't know maybe they were gonna run off and go go downtown and go chase some girls or something like that. And they just kind of tossed this Jack rabbit hide um, in, in their shop. And it, and it kind of slid up against and underneath a pair of uh, deer antlers. And then okay. one of them said, and, and then like, aha, Eureka, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they said like, okay, no, let's just do that. Let's just, let's, let's, let's create this mount with this, jackrabbit hide uh and the antlers and so then yeah that's exactly what they did uh they went to a local hotel owner and sold this to him for the tidy sum of ten dollars okay in 1829 Uh, money yeah in 1829 money which is about 190 bucks that's yeah it's it's a ton of money yeah that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah, you just yeah, kind of crank this thing out because it's yeah, like sort of leftover whatever stuff and yeah, make 200 bucks. I mean, that these guys like were the like pre-modern Etsy. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh and then wouldn't you know it, the hotel owner who made that purchase was in fact Roy Ball. Uh, okay. and then he would and then he would go on to claim that like, "Aha, no, this is the first the first time we've ever been able to capture the elusive jackalope in 1829. And so uh, in the lobby of the Labonte Hotel in Douglas, Wyoming, which is where that big statue was, mm-hmm. that's where that's where this was first mounted. <laughs> uh, and, and, and yeah, and then again, sort of word of mouth and people coming in, it kind of spiraled out and, and it's like that. And it wasn't long before hotel bar, bar, bars, entire bars popped up based on the jackalope. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so yeah. So this entire like tourist industry uh, popped up that uh, and 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 these two brothers, the Herrick brothers who sold it to Roy Ball, they they started cranking these bad boys out like crazy. Um. And so, uh, and so, yeah, they were they were they're cranking these out, and apparently, after it doesn't say uh, how long, but one of the brothers, Douglas, lost interest, and so he stepped away from the project after making approximately a thousand jackalope heads. Holy shit! <laughs> this so, dude was like, oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So he and his brother. So so yeah. If that was like, if they sold that for two hundred. And then they made a thousand of them, and so that's two hundred thousand dollars right there, um, in like yeah, like modern day, roughly modern day money there. So Douglas stepped away, turned it over to his brother Ralph, and uh, and yeah, Ralph went on uh, making heads on on on. I don't even uh, what's the what's what I'm looking for un un undeterred. That's what I was looking for undeterred. <laughs> oh man. And so, yeah, the Herrick brothers are responsible for thousands of jackalope heads that have become, yeah, like this prominent Western American icon. Uh, And so then, yeah, and then, of course, like most any creation, 
that gets out of the hands of the creators. It starts to like generate its own stories. Um, and so, and so when the brothers started marketing these jackalope mounts, they of course were just kind of they 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 had to come up with some sort of story to help sell the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this says to build credibility for the jackalope, they suggested uh, that the ancestors of the strange cryptid can be found in early Europe which produced a 16th century painting of a horned rabbit and <laughs> and the Buddha himself, who is known to have briefly mentioned a horned rabbit. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. So, so these guys did their research too. And I was like, okay, what, where else has, have, have horned rabbits shown up? And, and, uh, and how, however, they neglected to mention that the medieval painting was lightly and likely inspired uh, by a rabbit suffering from tumors. And they also didn't mention that when the Buddha was mentioning, was talking about horned rabbits, it was specifically him saying that he did not believe in their existence. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't think this thing exists. Buddha talked to a jackalope, you guys. Buddha, so... Buddha it was there. It was there. <laughs> he had it. It was under the lotus tree with him. They were chilling. They were palling around like... Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're under the Bodhi tree, seeking the unborn mind, wiping the dust off the mirror. There's a little jackalope. <laughs> uh, and so then, yeah. So those were the kind of stories that the brothers came up with. That the Herrick brothers came up with. Uh, but, but also, then also, this is nineteen or eighteen twenty nine. Like, yeah, nobody, dude, nobody knows. no one's gonna check. We don't have the internet, like. Yeah, pr- precisely. Precisely. Well, no one's good. Who who knows what Buddha is? Who in America yeah. right now in 1829 has right. like any tie to Buddha? Like has any friggin' clue? You know, like. Well, and and, and that also brings me to like, yeah, like a tangential kind of point. This this was had had a brief little kind of flare up on Twitter. There was something about um, there was yeah, like again from like 1600s, 1700s. Uh, in like some Scottish castle, there was a a, a a taxidermied lion, but like it's like oh, eyes, yeah. but it's like eyes were way too close together, and it looks derpy as fuck. The derp face lion, yeah, yeah, the the derp, and and of course, because yeah, it's funny, and like people are, are like dunking on it, but like you're in Scotland, you've never seen a lion before, you can't go to Google Images to like compare, like okay, listeners, I dare you right now. Uh, draw draw a hippopotamus, but don't like look up like yeah like Google images. What just draw a, a hippopotamus right now and see how close you come. You know, <laughs> like they don't know they were doing their best and sure it's derpy or whatever. And so of course it's like oh wait this is a horned rabbit that sat next to the Buddha. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the initial story that the brothers came up with. But yeah, then like as talk went around and people were buying these things and taking them back to their hometown in like the Midwest and the East Coast and saying like, oh, here's the here's the jackalope from the American West. Then all these other stories start to pop up. Uh, so uh, they started to like increase in size because, you know, jackrabbits are larger than more domesticated rabbits. But this was the jackalope would soon get like, I don't know, like four or five feet tall, just e- enormous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they were also being reported to be a powerful and dangerous adversary that was extremely defensive. 
Um, and it quickly became rumored that the jackalope used its massive horns to attack the men who dared to hunt it and would often leave its victims bloody and full of gouge marks. Uh, its, its horns were also known to be especially sharp, which eventually inspired the recommendation to wear stovepipes over one's legs when hunting the jackalope. I love that. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, oh, my God. A little later on, uh, another story came about that the jackalope can talk and sing. Kind of kind of like a parrot. Um, and, uh, and according to one, yeah, like urban legend or later legend, um, one of their favorite tricks was to sit in the darkness outside of campfires. And uh, when the, yeah, all the cowboys and cowherds were, yeah, singing their songs and winding down for bed, then the jackalopes would echo their songs back to kind of like mess with mm. them. That's kind of um, scary. Yeah, right. Wouldn't you also know it that the jackalope has medicinal powers? Does it? Yeah, or yeah, some dude back in Chicago was like, "Oh, hey, so check this out. I got me here a you're a jackalope, and it has uh, medical properties." Um, but I it, love uh, the escalation of dumb. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so yeah, specifically the milk. Uh, oh, the okay. Female, yeah, so a female jackalope's milk contained medicinal properties that were extremely valuable and could cure most illnesses. Snake oil? Get out of here. We, I want me some jackalope milk. And when people, yeah, would like be pressed about this, well, yeah, prove it. Get us some. It's like, oh, well, have you seen their horns? We have to wear stovepipes to try and tackle this thing. We, we can't, we can't get it. So when you and I like eventually spin up the two wizards merch shop, we're gonna like also book or we're also gonna invest in like our own like line of you know health products and one of them is gonna mm-hmm. be jackalope milk after workout shakes absolutely no that's that's absolutely it uh and hey listeners if you are in that industry and you want to team up with us send us send an email to two wizards podcast at gmail.com and we'll get jackalope milk uh started here um but also not only uh, jackalope milk, but apparently for for all its fearsome and impressive qualities, it was also rumored. Yet another rumor came around that you could ja- that you could trap and capture a jackalope willingly if you offered it its favorite drink, whiskey. So <laughs> you just pour one out for jackalope, and maybe you can get some of that sweet sweet milk. I don't know. And there was this kid out on the prairies of Wyoming who heard this rumor and thought he was going to hunt him a jackalope. So he went in and got puzzled, jug of whiskey. Mm. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, it's a it's a five-day trip into town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, <laughs> I'm glad that the jackalope is also an alcoholic. I just, yeah, I love it. It's, it perfect. it's perfect. It's perfect. That's what it is. <laughs> Um, and so it was also not not too long that again because um, the brothers and Roy Ball were in Douglas, w- w- Wyoming, um, that uh, the city of Douglas, w- Wyoming, just took this and ran with it. It's bringing in tourist money, 
and they started to um, issue limited non-resident jackalope hunting licenses. <laughs> and it's and it reads, this license uh, authorizes blank the licensee or, or the licensee of blank to uh, hunt, pursue, trap, or otherwise take one pronghorn jackalope within the lawful boundaries of Converse County, Wyoming. Uh, on June 31st, which you'll know doesn't exist, it's not an actual uh-huh, uh-huh. date, <laughs> between sunrise and sunset only, failure to have this license approved and issued by a resident of Converse County, Wyoming, or to otherwise comply with the terms hereof may, on conviction thereof, result in a fine of $13 and or sentence of 13 months hard play in Douglas, Wyoming. <laughs> the undersigned being first duly sworn do, there, do hereby state that I am a person of strict temperance and absolute truthfulness. I do reserve the right at my discretion and even if interrogated concerning my hunting experience to employ such lingual evasion, loud rebuttal, and double talk as the occasion and circumstances require. <laughs> so as a part of the license, it says, yeah, if somebody catches you, you just have to lie your ass off. Um, but, but also, so, okay... Yeah, maybe the Herrick brothers, they kind of spun this whole thing up. But of course, wouldn't you know it, Mark, there maybe is also something of a predecessor uh, in, yeah, some of the Native American pantheon, too. Okay. So while it is largely accepted that the jackalope is nothing more than a successful taxidermy experiment conducted by the Herrick brothers, there is a Native American rabbit deity that could have had a role in the shaping of jackalope mythology. Um, and apparently this, this deity's name is Manabozho, um, okay. who, who is a rabbit deity known to be a trickster god. Uh, he was a fierce fighter and known to be particularly defensive of his family. Uh, Manabozho was recognized for many good deeds, but one of the most important things he is credited with doing is creating a wealth of useful medicinal information for the benefits of mankind. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that part of it fed in as well. Maybe not. Maybe not. I uh, like that, though. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't get horned up for, like, co-opting Native religions for, mm-hmm. you know, fake yeah, but rabbit like, taxidermy. But, but yeah, know. like, maybe there was, like, like yeah, right. There is, like, oh, isn't this neat? There's also this, like, longer tradition that these brothers willingly or unwillingly we're kind of like nodding to so yeah i think that's part of it um and then also to be uh yeah to be those nerds that push up their glasses and say like well here's one possible explanation why well here is one possible possible all other explanation why maybe this is also some like post hoc reasoning uh but there is this thing called the shope uh papilloma virus and it can infect rabbits uh, and it does produce tumors that have a significant resemblance to horns and antlers. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. It's a real bummer when you find uh, yeah. that part out. Right. And so even if it is, even if it's, this did just start with the Herrick brothers haphazardly uh, throwing a jackalope hide off to the side, just so happened to nestle underneath some antlers. Yeah, there is also this kind of thing that is also a bit of a shame. But I would much rather prefer to just like own the jack the own the jackalope for what it is, this 
clearly invented, concocted thing that you can go to Douglas, Wyoming and take a selfie in front of the uh, uh, giant statue there. Maybe they're still selling jackalope hunting licenses. Uh, but but yeah, so that's... And, and yeah, also this like weird unofficial mascot of the Two Wizards podcast, the jackalope. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, and, and and also uh in a roundabout way too, we we saw that with our Oktoberfest episode, the uh uh-huh. Volpertinger, the yeah, like continental, I guess kind of e- equivalent of a jackalope, but um yeah. 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 And we we've kind of really weirdly danced around this a lot. Like we talked about in our mermaids episode, the Fiji mermaid, it was a monkey sewn oh, fish. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's right, 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 right. Th- just this weird graph taxidermy. They're just like, oh yeah, let's just jam this crap together. And, <laughs> and I like that. Whole I like that yeah. a lot. I think that's, a, I kind of wish that I was into taxidermy so I could graph shit. Yeah. And just having fun and pulling a fast one on these rubes from New York city or whatever, <laughs> wherever they happen to be. <laughs> yeah. They're like checking into this ho- hotel and see this thing mounted on the lobby wall. And yeah, promptly like piss themselves. <laughs> and then that's also it too, right? Like these guys were like Etsy before Etsy was a thing. Yeah. In, in, instead of, yeah, like putting sequins on a denim jacket or like painting a pair of jeans or whatever. Like, no, it's just like, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll just, what else is like, what's like hiding in the corners of my shop and, gather, and gathering dust? Um, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> But th- that's also oh, it too, right? Like these guys sold thousands of these. That's unreal. I, yeah, this is like viral marketing or whatever. Before it, it's like that fucking singing fish. Remember the singing fish from like two thousand? And <laughs> like, was it Bubba Big Mouth Bass? Or yeah, Billy like Big Mouth Bass. Billy, uh, Billy Big Mouth. Yeah, something. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Billy Big Mouth. Yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Well, and same for like pet rocks. In the seventies, pet rocks, yeah, and like chia pets, yeah, like that. It's it, it's a thing, and like, and like the, NFTs in twenty twenty two, yeah, it's precisely. all just stupid shit. It's just a bunch of stupid shit, and you you have to realize that like, okay, there's a percentage of those consumers that are doing it ironically, like, oh, look at this, uh, aren't I an idiot for buying this NFT of a hippo on a skateboard? But then there's also people who are like genuinely believe like, no, man, this is great. This is because I'll, I'll be the most, when I take this jackalope back to Tampa, Florida, <laughs> I'll be the most famous person there. Then they'll see. They laughed at me before. They, they won't be laughing now. <laughs> Look at this <laughs> NFT of, yeah, like a duck with braces. <laughs> Joke's on you, suckers. <laughs> But I'm on um, I'm I'm on uh, taxidermytrophiesforsale.com, and I'm looking at a thing called behind behind art sheep ass, and it's a it's a sheep's ass with uh, two eyes in it, and it makes it, it's making like an whoa face because it's the butthole, <laughs> and it's six hundred one dollars, and I'm like I got six hundred one dollars, and I'm like no you don't you do not have that much money, <laughs> right? But it is it. it <laughs> Little did I know, as I was like, yeah, like doing doing some uh, doing a little research, 
typing up some notes. Little did I like comprehend. Yeah, that's I and maybe this is this is like what we say at the end of the show right now. Yeah, if you've bought any cryptocurrency, guess what? That's the 21st century equivalent <laughs> of a jackalope. That's what you did. And here you are thinking like, oh, whatever, those nerds 200 years ago, <laughs> what a bunch of dorks. Hey, what's the going rate for Dogecoin? It's like, that's you, buddy. Look in the mirror. <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, okay, but yes. So Jackalope right. starting off strong. Great Jackalope. Stuff. Hell, that could uh, be the episode. That was great. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I get fucked. Joke's on you, nerds. <laughs> uh, so, so Mark, what do you have? What is yeah. one of the things that you have prepared? I want to switch over here, Josh, from like not so much taxidermy, but things that people made mm. solely oh. for the intention of fucking with people. Right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're we're gonna do giants for a little bit here, Josh. We're gonna talk mm. about some giant hoaxes, like literally giant hoaxes, giant that, hoaxes, giant hoaxes. Um, so we're gonna start with this guy named the Cardiff Giant. And it goes a little something like this. On um, October 16th, 1869, workers digging a well behind the barn of one William C. Stubb Newell. These workers uncovered um, a petrified body. And instead of trying to describe this to you, I'm just going to let a dude who like actually saw this thing when it was being exhibited. Because, hey, Josh, this thing like drew tons of people when good old Stubb said, hey, I found a giant. <laughs> So this comes from a guy named uh, Andrew Dixon White. He says, The next morning, my brother and myself were speeding after a fast trot in a light buggy through the valley to the scene of the discovery. And as we went and we saw more and more on every side, evidences of enormous popular interest. The roads were crowded with buggies, carriages, and even omnibuses from the city, and with lumber wagons from farms all laden with passengers. In about two hours, we arrived at the Newell Farm and found a gathering which at first seemed, at first sight seemed like a county fair. In the midst was a tent, and a crowd was pressing for admission. Entering, we saw a large pit or grave, and at the bottom of it, perhaps five feet below the surface. Five, Josh, five feet below the surface. They, five feet, just, five, here's this yeah. ancient-ass buried giant. Oh, no, it's only five feet below the surface. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you found it! Yes, mm-hmm. it was right there. Five feet below the surface, an enormous figure, apparently of Onodaga gray limestone. It was a stone giant with massive features, the whole body nude, the limbs contorted as if in agony. It had the color as if it had long lain in the earth, and over its surface were minute punctures like pores. An essential appearance of a great age was given by the deep grooves and channels in its underside, apparently worn by the water which flowed in the streams through the earth and along the rock which the figure rested, laying in its grave with the subdued light from the roof of the tent falling upon it, and with the limbs contorted as if in a death struggle, it produced the most weird effect. An air of great solemnity pervaded the place. Visitors hardly spoke above a whisper. So... I want to point out right now that giants were not an uncommon thing at this time. We, or people, not we, they, them, whatever, like, we got super horned up for giants. And real quick, I'm going to pop over to Oddities in Print by Adam Benedict. And I'm just going to rattle off a few giant cases. So from the Richmond Inquirer, uh, July 22nd, 1836 in Virginia. 
Uh, John Ferret, who resides about a mile from this village in digging a well lately, about 15 feet below the surface of the earth, came across a skeleton of prodigious size. Dr. Sturgis and Patterson both pronounced it a human skeleton of gigantic proportions and necessarily of long genus since extinct and corresponding with the mastodon or mammoth in the brute order. The thigh bone was two feet and three inches in length. The skull is frightful. One of the teeth, a grinder, is enormous and in perfect state of preservation. It is as if a large cork of a porter bottle with prongs and indented like that of a human tooth. From the New York Herald, December 12th, 1984. Skeleton discovered in Williamson County. This skeleton was found about 60 feet below the surface of the earth embedded in the stratum of the hardest clay. The bones are said to be in a perfect state of preservation and a weight in the aggregate of 1,500 pounds. All the Jeez. large characteristic bones are entire, and the skull, arms, thigh bones, knee pans, shoulder sockets, and collarbone removed all doubts that the animal to whom this has be this belonged has decidedly is decidedly the genus Homo. The gentleman, when he walked the earth, was about 18 feet high, and when clothed in flesh, must have weighed no less than 3,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> And one final one here from the Eastern Times of Maine, May 23rd, 1850. A human skeleton of unusual size was discovered the other day at Harrismus, Her Harrismus, I don't know, Harrismus uh, in New Jersey by a Mr. Blevin. It was found about nine feet underground, embedded in several embedded in several bushels of exceedingly large oyster shells, much larger than any have said to be found in our waters. They are doubtless the remains of an, in of an Indian of immense stature. From the appearance of the skeleton, he must have been, when living, over eight feet high. The skull measures 15 inches from the root from the root of the nose over to the top. The base of the occipital bone is two feet in circumference, and it contains a full set of excellent teeth. Holy cow! Okay, so just the base of this 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 thing's skull is two feet in circumference. That's what it says. Holy cow! <laughs> Holy uh, cow. Mr. Bliven informs us that he has found a great number of skeletons in this vicinity, similar similarly buried, but not as large as this one. So that's just. To, to tell to, to me to walk up to you tomorrow morning in 1869 and go, holy shit, Josh, they found a giant up there in uh, Cardiff. You want to go check it out? And you're like, yeah, like yeah, we dude. know about Hell giants. Yeah, giants are a thing. There's a ton in this book. And I just like read three. I just like th they're everywhere. They're thick, right? You're right. Right. Well, and and I also know and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I also know that for a while you've had in your back pocket like, Josh, we're going to. Do an episode like a multi-episode series on giants because giants are everywhere. But yeah, yeah, just, it's yeah. Oh my god! But but this is like it's important because we also like for me to you know present my doctoral thesis on why giants were a living race of beings. We also got to look at all this fake shit too and go okay, well the Cardiff giant is obviously fake, and the next couple cases we're going to look at real quick are obviously fake. Right. But anyway, right. getting back into it now. So Newell made fucking bank off this deal. He charged 25 cents a look, which in 1869 money would be $28.66. <laughs> like, 
And then, after he realized how much money he was making, he doubled it up to 50 cents. Oh, my God. And then I guy. think about it. Well, I think about it, and I'm like, man, these people are dumb, right? But I was just in Hawaii, and I just paid 50 bucks a head to go look at goddamn whales. So, Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah. <laughs> We're, uh, we're literally just the same. We're just the same now as we always have been. Like, yeah, if if uh, yeah, most any yeah event or showing or something like that, yeah, tickets, man. If you can find something for thirty bucks a pop, that's like that's like pretty good. That's in that's 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 like almost even like yeah, like an like an economical night out. Uh, so, and just like you're saying too, if somebody like knocks on your door is like, Hey dude, let's go check out this giant. Goddamn right. I'm going to be there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously this, you know, gets picked up by the scientific community as, Hey, it's probably true. Cause it's 1869. And if the scientists don't buy into it, the Christians love it because this proves the Genesis quote of there were giants on the earth in those days. This that's is like, true. this is proof of the word of God made flesh, but that's actually made stone, but you know, whatever, like here it is, man. And they're all about it. But so like, it's not only drawing, you know, Hey, curious, you know, farm, hands in podunk valley in new york but also crazy amounts of like religious people just coming to see this damn thing and it picks up so much heat and an entertain and an an entertainment syndicate um they um they end up buying the giant they buy it from uh good old stub for uh sorry i gotta find it here they bought it for 47 uh 47 thousand dollars in today money and they moved it to Syracuse, New York, where it got even bigger. Like, it drew even bigger crowds, because now you're, like, in an actual city, not in a farm that, you know, you have to, like, take a horse and buggy to in 1869. Like, it's here in the city. We're going to see it. Drew colossal c- crowds. It was so huge that it drew the gaze of P.T. Barnum, who offered to pay $1.2 million of it in today's money for it. Which... That's cool. Right on. Like, and it's great because, you know, Barnum got the Fiji mermaid too. Barnum was this wonderful showman. And he's like, if it's weird, I want it. And when the, when the syndicate told him to, you know, fuck off, he goes, well, fine. So he sent agents to go like, to go, you know, look at the giant and take all these good notes. So good of notes that he ended up making his own copy. And then they said, he said that the syndicate's version was the fake card of giant and he had the real one. That also, no, that that also sounds exactly like something he would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really ironic because, Josh, neither one of these giants are real. And um, we're going to cut to our hero here, an atheist named George Hole, who had a real, like, he hated Christians. Like, to say that he didn't care for the Christian faith would be shortchanging how much this dude hated Christians. Two months later, on December 10th, 1869, like, this thing was discovered in October of 69, and now this is December, and this dude has to go, like, testify at a court in New York because Barnum is suing this entertainment syndicate, and so he shows up and goes, ha ha ha, I made it all up. <laughs> he he admits that this thing is a hoax, and, like, it's the greatest amount of troll trollery 
for the modern age, but also Josh, holy shit, dude, this guy's story of fucking with people is amazing. Um, he wanted to do it to make Christians look stupid because he said that they will believe anything that coincides with their Bible. And Hey, guess what? He was super right. So already check that one off. So he, what he did was he bought a 10 foot block of gypsum from Fort Dodge, Iowa that he told the people was going to be made into a bust of, uh, Abraham Lincoln. He then shipped that block to Chicago, where he swore a German stone cutter named Edward Berg to secrecy and had him, you know, tool it up and make it into the giant. Uh, he then had the giant in November. He then had the giant shipped up to Cardiff, New York, and at this point, and you know, buried underneath behind Stubbs' barn, and. One thing led to another, and hey, there's this giant. I found it. But he also ended up spending $53,000 on this in back then's money. <laughs> so, you know, maybe kind of losing the, the thread a little bit here, but the trial ends with the judge going, oh, so both of these are bullshit. You can't say that they're real. That's it. Case closed. But man, dude, just as like your jackalope spawned this insane amount of further jackalopery, this dude inspired even more. The, the Cardiff giant kind of kicked this anthill for everybody else losing their mind for giant fever. And so, um, which well, but, but also, but yeah, do that yeah. too. Like, yeah. As soon as like the first person are like, Oh wait, an NFT. What's that? Boom. It is like, yep. like it just all, it just all took off and went from there. So God damn it, man. The more we change, the more we stay the same. This is, stupid. Oh Yeah. And we're about to get super close to home here. And I didn't know about either one of these things until I looked into it like this week. And I learned something today, Josh. And basically it's that, you know, what is that? Imitation is the best form of flattery. So mm-hmm. it's a couple dudes in uh, Beulah, Colorado near Mesa's <gasps> Hole. Uh, I know Beulah. I know Beulah. Um, a W.A. Conant discovered that there is a body of a giant that was or of a buried giant that was seven foot six and weighed 450 pounds with Asiatic eyes. It was held at the Rayburg and Nichols stable where it attracted a ton of spectators. PT Barnum also offered to buy this one for $20,000 in back then money. <laughs> this was also revealed to be a hoax. Oh my so what these guys had actually done, Josh was they made a giant cast of a body And they filled it up with, apparently they put meat into it because they thought that meat would make it more, like, believable. So they essentially put, like, ground beef and clay and straw into this thing, made a block of it, and then chiseled a giant. Then they buried it underneath the ground at a slant. They tunneled up beneath it and stuck this fucking thing in there at 480 pounds. Because, again, people have nothing better to do than to screw with other people. They then took a tree branch and wrapped it around the neck to make a, a root and wrapped it around the neck to make it look like this thing had been there for a super long time. Oh my God. Eventually I... it was found out to be a hoax. And then finally, <laughs> this is where my head blew up. Did you know that there was a, gi- a fake giant up in Creed, Colorado, Josh? Oh, wait. Um, one of my teammates on the track team, he was from Creed. And I think again, probably one night drinking late, he was telling me a little bit about this. It, it That kind of rings a bell, but I don't remember any specifics. So yeah, tell so, me about the Creed, the Creed Colorado Giant. Yeah. So in 1892, 
a con man. And it's important to point out that he was a con man because everything mm. I read about this dude is like he should probably get his own episode. A con man named Soapy Smith um, ex- exhibited a petrified man that he named McGinty in Creed, Colorado. <laughs> He sold it in 1895, and it is now, you can now see it in the Ye Old Curiosity Shop in Seattle, Washington. And here's like second weird head blow of the night, Josh. I saw that fucking thing when I was in Seattle like four <gasps> years ago. No way. Yeah. And like I was writing my outline, and I look at Amanda and I'm like, dude, we totally did this thing. And she's I've like, what that. are you talking about? Because I have no context for what you're doing. I was like, look, the giant. See? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You drugged me that stupid shop. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah these are some gigantic hoaxes giant hoaxes i'll giant, quit making that will. joke but yeah. man like not only are they like kind of close to home for me and tangentially you but mm-hmm. oh i would pay 28 dollars to see that goddamn thing anyway i don't I'll, I'll come out and say it i don't even mind yeah well and i, I mean like i I I got swept up in a clearly fake ass mermaid documentary on the Discovery Channel, <laughs> and that cost me zero dollars. <laughs> I mean, other than you know, whatever fraction I was paying for cable, you know. But so, but yeah, it it, it is. It's like word of mouth spreads, and you're you, you have that fear of missing out. It's like no, I don't want to be the only person who didn't see the giant skeleton. Uh, do, do I have a quarter? Yeah, sure. Here's a quarter. So. It, it so well and also remember i i think we mostly got past this but so yeah like you know how we're like currently in like the declining era of like superhero movies like yes. it's like oh great here's uh, another netflix limited series run of whatever and then, like, 10 years ago, it was zombies. Zombi- and then, like, I think 15 years ago, it was, like, pirates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that it, it seems to me that, like, that's just what it was at the time. Like, everybody got giant fever. And yeah. it's, like, it's like, oh, geez, there's giants over here, giants over there. And so, yeah, part of that, like, I won't say, like, yeah, like, mass, mass psychosis or anything. But, like, people just get horned up for giants or horned up for pirates. <laughs> <laughs> that is the is. new... That is the new book I want to read is Max Brooks's like giant apocalypse when like it's, you know, like the year, you know, negative 10,000. And there's these yeah. weird like proto humans yeah. kicking around the American like the American like, you know, Great Plains and shit and just mm-hmm. their war with the giants. Like I want to read that book or even better. We can we can write that book ourselves. We'll write that book ourselves. <laughs> First. First, yeah, the first uh, offering from Two Wizards Publishing, LLC. <laughs> Genesis 4-8. <laughs> oh, also, also, I just need to point out here that literally everything I have ever read about giants, anytime ever, always cites that goddamn verse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So even like, now, even now in twenty whatever, because some of this stuff is older source, but like, man, we're we're still there. just hitting the same beats. Yeah, we're all just downstream of that stuff, and we can't, you know, try as we might to like swim upstream or like find a different. No, nope, we're just we're just in it. We're just bathed <laughs> in it, submerged in it. But 
But, you know, Lovecraft had the story about the giant buried under the house that was actually a vampire that was, like, sucking the life out of anybody who lived there. And it's like, this is super in, like, the human vein of consciousness. Mark Twain mm-hmm. wrote a story about the Cardiff Giant called The Ghost Story. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just a thing. It's just a thing that happened. Like, I don't know. Well, well, and, and I also, and I think also tapping into, yeah, another, like, kind of uh, primal subconscious... Yeah, either like thought or fear of like, there's somebody bigger out there. There's somebody bigger and stronger who could come take my, yeah, berries that I harvested. And I mean, yeah, like look at... a bigger fish. Yeah, well, look at like Grok over there. Grok's like the biggest guy I know. And there's probably somebody (laughs) bigger than him. (laughs) And he's a solid like five foot six because we're all cavemen and tiny. (laughs) I am a foot taller than most of the people that I work with. Yeah, and like, no, true. But then I look at you, and you're a foot taller than I am. Like, not not <laughs> quite that, but but yes. But to your point, I'm, but and, pert near, like you know what well, I mean. And don't think I haven't thought about. Don't think I haven't had that like mental exercise. We're like, what if I got? Yeah, what if I got teleported to ancient Greece, like right now? What if I woke up the next morning and I was in like some goat herds like shack? Uh, yeah, uh, in like, yeah, the Boyotian uh, landscape circa 600 BCE. You goddamn right I'd try to convince people that I was a god. You're goddamn right I would. Do you know how long it would take me to flip into evil Godzilla mode and start burning fucking tiny hatch villages? Because it wouldn't take me that long at all. I'd probably stub my toe on a goat and just lose my temper, and that would be that. Like, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Which, and then on the other half of the e- e- equation, you're just a s- simple goat herd outside of Thebes. You wake up one morning, it's like, all right, time to, you know, weed the garden or whatever. And what is it that's walking out of your goat shed? This dude that's like a third extra your size. It's like one one and a third times your size. You're goddamn right. You're gonna like freak out about that. If I went, if if I was like, okay, yeah, time to uh, take the trash out to the garbage can, and I saw some like nine foot motherfucker peering o- over the fence, you you're right. I'd freak out. If Start Shaq w- is in your backyard, it's yeah. gonna be a bad night. <laughs> Goddamn right, I'd like fall on my knees and sort of like, hey, let me get you some leftover pizza and an IPA. <laughs> I'd start offering him food and drink. You're goddamn right. I want to be on his side. I want to be on his good side. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I, oh, God. <laughs> uh, Mark, I really. I really wish I could remember what I called my Frankenstein cocktail at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but I can't. I can't. <laughs> short of like <laughs> short of like pausing right now, exporting the audio we have and re-listening to it, <laughs> I have no idea what I came up with. <laughs> um, but it's going down good. <laughs> That's all that matters. And, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Uh, you know yeah. what? It's an easy to swallow drink for some pretty easy to swallow uh, <laughs> hoaxes too. Because goddamn, everybody gets swept up in this stuff. It yeah, seems like. So truly, I'll take truly. it. 
Right. Well, well, speaking of somewhat easy to swallow, everybody gets swept up, in, swept up in. I can't even speak. Swept up <laughs> in. Because it's one thing. It's one thing if you're there in Wyoming, bored out of your mind, and you're going to uh, try to, yeah, hustle these out-of-towners out of some more pocket change in your hotel. It's another thing if you're if you're uh, getting it while the getting's good about the giant craze. It's quite a different thing if you're like a member of the scientific elite. You're You're in the academy. You're going to conferences. You're studying this stuff. And even you get punked on some of this stuff. And so I think I, I think I want to use that to kind of segue into the next thing that I'd like to talk about. And this is one of the most infamous examples of what probably at the time should have been clear hoaxing. And to a few people, giving them credit, a few people at the time were like, okay, wait a sec, this isn't all adding up. But everybody got all, all caught up. And it's like, oh, whatever, just trust the science. And then it totally came back and like bit everybody in the ass. The next example that I'd like to talk about is the Piltdown Man. Woo! And, well, and also, and, and it's funny enough too, because when we were reading uh, The Rats in the Walls, Piltdown Man gets a shout out. Piltdown Man gets a shout out. And for like two seconds, I was like, ooh, should I like interrupt the flow of the narrative and talk about Piltdown Man? Nah, maybe not. And lo and behold, here's my opportunity to, to, to do that right now. Um, scene 1912. 1912. Uh, uh, setting uh, Sussex. We're in England again, which also, yeah, as the like rats in the walls slash the hound, uh, blame, blame England. I guess here's some more, (laughs) but yes, in 1912, one Charles Dawson, not Darwin, Dawson, (laughs) uh, came to the geological society of London and, uh, uh, told them that a workman, at the Piltdown gravel pit, had given him some fragments of what appeared to be a skull uh, from four from, from four years ago. According to Dawson, workmen at the site discovered the skull uh, shortly before his visit, and broke it up in belief that it was a fossilized coconut. <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> Okay, you're in England. (laughs) And this is 60 years before Monty Python's Holy Grail. (laughs) And whether or not coconuts are migratory. (laughs) How did it get there? (laughs) And that it's fossilized. (laughs) Oh, hey, I have this, this thing. Why is it busted up to shit? Oh, these dum-dums thought it was a fossilized coconut. <laughs> but okay. It's 1912. <laughs> whatever. Maybe Kaiser Willie in Germany is like freaking people out. What, whatever. That's fine. 
Um, but he produced this to the Geological Society of London. Um, Dawson found further skull fragments and took them to one Arthur Smith Woodward. Woodward accompanied Dawson back to the sites there at the Piltdown Gravel Pits. Mm-hmm. Trying to, again, like try to find more more evidence for some, something like that. Um, lo and behold, getting this these like fractured things together, tried to reconstruct them. And um, the the hominid, clearly hominid skull looked something like a modern human, except for the um, the occiput, which is like what kind of like it's like towards the back and it's what sits on the spinal column. Uh, okay. and, and a smaller brain size, roughly like two thirds the size of like modern humans. Um, there were, there were two human like molar teeth. However, the jawbone was indistinguishable from that of a chimpanzee. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. So here's something that kind of looks like a modern human skull, but a, different jawbone uh and yeah almost from the outset this reconstruction was was challenged by uh by by some for instance at the royal college of surgeons uh they i guess played jigsaw with these same pieces and came up with a completely different reconstruction <laughs> um and uh and Yes, so this reconstruction by one uh, Professor Sir Arthur Keith would eventually be called Homo Piltdownensis, which I get it, you know, for modern taxonomical purposes, we kind of like dog Latin this person's name into, yeah, something that sounds sounds like Latin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, yeah, also like pilt, pilt, pilt down ensis, just, oh my God. Ugh. But anyway, lo and behold, it's, he, there's gotta it be a, there's gotta be a cleaner name for this thing though. Like, yeah, but then you think about it too. Like, you know, Neanderthals are named that because of the Valley. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it is. It, I guess yeah. you, you talk about like where it was found or whatever. Like, yeah. Like what, the, what would the Latin word be for gravel? Come like homo. Gravialis or something like that. That I mean that yeah. That at least rolls off the tongue a little easier than Piltdownensis. Um <laughs> But uh but but yeah, so so here here it is. We have um we have this this missing link that has long been sought after between apes and man. Um, well, this is a big deal. Like, and this it is, is at yeah, a time this, when, like, mm-hmm. Origin of the Species had exploded. Like, Darwin was talking about, no, there's, like... And everybody, like, we're trying to figure this shit out. Like, no, 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 See, God didn't make us. Like, we're we're humans. We, but we were this way because we were this way. And, like, this thing was a huge... Like, this, like, um, uh, Link fossil would mm-hmm. have been a huge deal. Sorry, I got horned up for paleontology and totally cut you off. I apologize. No, no, no. Well, so... But yeah, like... Well, and- and I think others were were like horned up for that too. So uh, Otto uh, Schuntensack, who discovered the Heidelberg fossils, he he said it was the best evidence for an ape-like ancestor of modern humans. So here's yeah, like uh, and then um, uh, a French p- 
paleontologist Pierre Terhard de Chardon. He 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 was there with him. He was at the Piltdown site and like, or, or was was yeah. So so everybody was like jazzed and like, hey, this is the thing we've been looking for. This is it. This is like, yeah, that transitional form or what have you. Yeah, yeah. This was a huge fucking deal. It was a like, huge yeah. goddamn thing. Um, and uh, and yes, the, there 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 was a huge there, there was a huge discovery. Much, much a buzz. Um, also, a little bit of controversy that this reconstruction included ape-like, or excuse me, in 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 included canine teeth, which is a big thing because it's like, oh shoot, okay. look at this, you know, like here's something that clearly had evolved to like eat meat and and do all that. Mm-hmm. Um, this same uh, Tehard de Chaudan uh, found a canine tooth. That fit the okay. jaw. That fit the jaw perfectly. So there it is. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it it seemed like this was it. It it seemed like this was it. Just a few years later, in 1915, the same guy Charles Dawson claimed to have found three fragments of a second skull, named Piltdown Two, at a different site two miles away from the original one. So, okay. Piltdown 2, Piltdown Boogaloo. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And so, like, hey, uh, yeah, one's a fluke, but here's here's our confirmation, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, uh, except the 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 site, this, this second place where he found it, uh, was never really confirmed or identified. Uh, he didn't present this new discovery to that same geological society. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least not after Dawson died in 1916. Okay. So and, it kind of throws a whole wrench into the mix. And again, just like little red or orange or uh, burnt ochre, whatever color gradient flags you want to race here just in case some kind of some kind of weird uh, that's weird uh but in 1921 henry fairfield osborne president of the american museum of natural history looked at both of these finds and declared that yes they they fit together john the skull belonged together without question and that the that the second finds at sheffield park were exactly those which we should have selected to confirm the comparison with the original type. So here's all the like heavy hitters coming in as like, yeah, boom, mm-hmm. confirmed, boom, confirmed, boom, confirmed. And yeah, that was 1921. Um, uh, the, the rats in the wall uh, or the, the rats in the walls written. What was that? Like 23. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. 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 So yeah we can't blame that's so cool it's a snapshot of the time though like he's literally like citing that the pilt like like he's saying like oh yeah the pilt down man was up in this shit like Mm -hmm. i i love that even if it's all fake and wrong i love that like it's so in the like generally accepted zeitgeist that yeah no it's a real thing i love that and and making waves and like earning its way into popular imagination pulp fiction um, mm-hmm. and so, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a big goddamn deal. 
Um, and and it would remain that way for, I mean, from its from its from when it was first proposed, uh, some forty one years. Uh, y- yeah, then it would be eventually shown to be a hoax. Oh no! Yes. So, like I mentioned, even from the beginning, there were some. There were some that were pretty skeptical. Uh, one. Uh, let's see here. This is Garrett Smith Miller. Uh, said in 1915 that quote deliberate malice could have hardly been more successful than the hazards of death of deposition, in so breaking the fossils as to give it free scope to individual judgment in fitting the parts together. Which is the whole like, oh, hey, here's this thing I found. Those dumb, dumb blue collar gravel pit workers broke it into pieces because they thought it was a coconut. (laughs) So that gives one maybe a little artistic license in how you reconstruct it. Um, And even, yeah, even some of the other scientists of the era were like, Okay, yeah, this, but this thing also doesn't necessarily line up with what we do know about hominid evolution based on fossils that we do know about. Like, it's weird that this thing kind of pops up suddenly here in England. It doesn't quite match up with what we do know. And then it was all the way until November 1953. That, oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple... <laughs> couple of decades in some cases even a couple of lifetimes there were people who were born and died believing that Piltdown man was legitimate uh Piltdown stands holy shit yeah <laughs> leave Piltdown man alone <laughs> but it was it took all the way until 1953 um that uh, Kenneth Page Oakley, Sir Wilfred Edward uh, Legros Clark, and Joseph uh, Weiner. God damn it! I know. God damn it, Josh! I know. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a. I'm an adult. I can. I. <laughs> I cannot laugh at the name Weiner. <laughs> God damn it! I'm sorry. No, that's. Totally fine. Totally fine. But these three scholars and gentlemen (laughs) came together and uh, declared in that honorable and lofty scientific publication, Time Magazine. (laughs) They all came together and said, no, Piltdown Man is a forgery. Does that blow your mind a little bit that like Time Magazine was like... Oh my on the God. forefront of this like those were the days yeah man i just <laughs> like somebody like hopping on tmz and saying uh no look there are aliens on mars this is right this is or or something and well, yeah I, I know that's kind of different because that's like making a positive case for something as opposed to like um making a negative case against something like i get that but but or yeah, like somebody goes on TMZ and be like, "Okay, the planet uh, Mercury doesn't exist. It's not real." <laughs> yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but they did <laughs> this this week this week in cosmopolitan eight great ways to satisfy your pilt down now. <laughs> spoilers number seven is he's not fucking real like <laughs> number seven it's all a hoax yeah right um but but, but yeah so so these three uh oakley clark and wiener <laughs> demonstrated now you laughed <laughs> no no i laughed demonstrated that what was uh, uh, presented as Piltdown Man was actually three distinct species. Okay. Um, and also, to be fair, this is way before, this is w- way before things like DNA sequencing and like genetic testing. So all that you had to do was like hold up one bone and hold up another bone and like, how it's so, yeah, we, we hadn't like, yeah, uh, established what yeah like dna we, we we couldn't match that up to 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 compare with other species that we had on record so yeah these people were doing the best they could with the tools they had uh, yeah 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 uh but what it turned out to be so these three distinct species was a human skull from the medieval era okay uh and 500 year old lower jawbone of an orangutan and chimpanzee okay. fossil teeth. So it was like a, a hodgepodge of crap that they just bought into. It yeah, it and it was the It was literally yeah. it was a jackalope of bones. It was it, it was a bonalope. It was a bonalope. It was a bonalope. Uh and the 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 some of these were were aged up as it were by staining some of the bones with an iron solution and a chromic acid to kind of like okay. give the, yeah, to give the appearance of like a longer, longer age, um, something, something like that. Uh, and the teeth were also filed down. Okay. Which that seems to be a little more obvious to me. Uh, I would imagine like, yeah. Like if somebody like, presented me like two teeth and one of them had clearly had like a rasp taken to it and ground and filed down. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be a little more, but um, part of it too is maybe why everyone was so also caught up with this. And also those of the scientific community were so caught up with this was it seemed to like confirm some of their uh, pre-existing biases that, Mm -hmm. Uh, the, 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 the kind of hypothesis was that large, large brains, um, preceded, uh, animals that had an omnivorous diet and lo and behold, here's Piltdown Man that supports that exact same supposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the canine teeth, and yeah, makes sense. So, 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 right. So it's like not just all grinders, yeah. Right, and, and, and right because like having yeah that that canine tooth was such a big was such a big thing of it too. Um, and uh, and there there also strangely could have been some like weird nationalism at play. Uh, these mm-hmm. British wanting to like. Oh, whatever. Yeah, there's those Neanderthals in like France and uh, all, all these other things. But what about us? Where's where's our contribution to the fossil record? Maybe that was part of it too. They got super hyped up that 
finally here's a here's a fossil for Brits. <laughs> I don't know. A fossil for Brits. <laughs> and so, well, then who concocted this hoax, this clear yes. forgery? Who, who is did? behind this hoaxery, Josh? Well, there's still some speculation. I mean, like, obviously, Charles Dawson, the dude who came forward, obviously, he's like the prime suspect, right? Right. right, um, right. But, but that has yet to be demonstrated definitively um there's there's some other kind of interesting names the very same pierre telhard de chaudon uh that frenchy maybe he maybe he was a co-conspirator okay uh but what better way to bolster english french relations than do you know ooh conspiracy theories tinfoil hat time josh yeah (laughs) right uh, so maybe he was a part of it. Uh, maybe was Dawson acting independently or check this out. Maybe it was even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. That's right. The author, <laughs> the author of all the Sherlock Holmes series. Maybe it was him. Lost World, Sherlock Holmes, How to the Baskervilles. Holy shit. The Scotchman, you know him, you love him. Arthur Conan Doyle. Mark, insert bagpipes. <laughs> so, because, yeah. Okay, okay. So, you got to talk to me about this, because, okay. Okay, so, and specifically, so, and I I could, I think I neglected to mention this at the start. This is, this is, all my research is coming off of the Wikipedia page here for Piltdown Man, which is fine, which is good. But uh, one Richard Milner, who is an American hist- historian of science, He's he seems to be the one presenting the, the the case that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle may have been the perpetrator of the Piltdown hoax, um, and specifically his motive was that um, some of the scientific establishment discredited um, a psychic that Conan Doyle was like. So, like, he was pissed off. There's like, how dare you take this psychic away from me? I'll, I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, it's a long con. It's a long con. Like, you, you disproved my favorite medium, so I'll play a trick back on you. <laughs> um... Another, uh, Samuel Rosenberg wrote Naked is the Best Disguise, a 1974 book that uh, apparently explains how, through his writings, Doyle had provided overt clues to otherwise hidden or suppressed aspects uh, of the way of thinking that seemed to support the idea that Doyle would be involved in such a hoax. So apparently... It's a bit of a Dan Brown situation. He was dropping clues all this time. I'm going to forge a a fossil in all my writings. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, almost nobody, like, is like, okay, maybe, maybe it's not that Arthur Conan Doyle had a beef with the scientific community. Maybe, maybe you had a beef with Conan Doyle. 
uh, <laughs> Milner and Rosenberg trying to be like, no, it was him all along. Uh, but yeah, we're almost we're almost positive now that yes, y- y- yes, it was um, it was uh, uh, Dawson there. All right, so fucking Dawson. So d- yeah, and well, then why Dawson? Well, Dawson had this ambition he wanted to be well recognized he wanted to be a member of this royal society and like make make all these like kind of social hierarchical status uh gains here uh he was tired Mm -hmm. of people seeing him as an amateur and so he wanted to yeah maybe force that maybe force that a little bit but um okay okay but yes and so and and so the, the other thing that um and and we did we we talked about Lovecraft, citing Piltdown Man, um, uh, in the very famous Scopes Monkey Trial about teaching evolution in public schools. Mm, mm-hmm. um, that, America's maybe dumbest moment. I think we can just agree on. But yeah, 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 but yeah. but even in that court case, Piltdown Man was cited as evidence of like, hey, maybe there is something to this evolution thing. Uh, and the scopes monkey trial was in 1925. So it's a good thing. I guess that concluded well before this was established as a hoax. Cause otherwise, uh, yeah, we probably would be having creationism taught in public schools to this day. If it came out like your honor, I'd like to enter into evidence. This time magazine article. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. And if that weren't bad enough, Mark, um, L. Ron Hubbard cited Piltdown Man. Yep. L. Ron Hubbard cited Piltdown Man. What? Okay, what? In Scientology, A History of Man, uh, Piltdown Man is cited by L. Ron Hubbard as an example of a biological uh, 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 history capable of leaving a person with subconscious memories of traumatic incidents. Something... Oh, my God. Something... Xenu. Uh, um, the book was published in 1952, one year before the Times Magazine article. So, wait, Josh, you're telling me that a science fiction writer that made his own religion up and lied to a bunch of people... Also lied about this. That motherfucker. That motherfucker. Uh, well, if that weren't bad enough, Scientology, A History of Man, has been republished after Piltdown Man has been exposed as a hoax, most recently in 2007. What? And apparently... <laughs> God damn it. ...has not corrected that. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Uh, just ride that horse all the way across the river. Take take the one you brought to the dance home with you, even if it's part human, part orangutan, part chimpanzee. Um, Carl Panzram has this quote: "The greatest criminal of all time." Carl Panzram. Yes. Oh my God. That he has that this dude. Quote. Oh my God. He's deserving of a couple episodes. Yeah. He has a quote that said, if the world had a throat, I would strangle it. 
Goddamn, Josh, if the world had shoulders, I would shake them. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Like, yeah, man, it's just which because. And again, because I'm like a squishy middle child. Hey, let's all get along. Let's understand all sides. Like, yeah, we didn't have the benefit of like I was saying, we, we, we couldn't like run the DNA of this thing against other things and clearly like, oh, wait a sec. This is clearly chimpanzee. But then this part is clearly... So, yeah, I get that. But then also, yeah, maybe let's just temper our expectations and not get so excited about, oh, it's it's jolly well past time that we had a a British hominid fossil here and uh, this Piltdown man seems to be the right proper chap for the job tally ho it's like no guys just just hold on just just, just take just, her back about 20 percent. yeah take chill her back. out relax just just yeah just chill <laughs> oh man so yeah piltdown man the, the the other one that's famous or infamous is nebraska man but maybe we'll have to hold off on nebraska man uh okay for, okay for 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 clearly forged hominids or cryptids part two yeah all right sounds good (laughs) (laughs) well i should probably like just kind of checking in with myself yeah i I have but okay in my mason jar here yeah it says i have a quarter of a mason jar left of (laughs) abby normal (laughs) frankenstein brain eraser left so i should probably pass the baton off to you if you have any other that works yeah because yeah. i just want to sit back and be dumb that's cool because we're about to get real dumb because <laughs> if you would have told me i i've had this kind of episode in my mind on like the back burner of my brain for a while now and if you would have told me that my uh, research would have led into uh, Nazism, I would have said, go fuck yourself. No, it's not. But here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> We're going to talk about this little thing called the Deloise ape. Have you heard about this guy, Josh? No, I haven't. All right. Cool. I bet you've seen a picture of it, though. No, probably. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. So it goes a little something like this. In 1920, um... Just generally badass sounding dude, a Swiss geologist, uh, Francois Delois, uh, with his party of men, reached the end of this wild goose chase called the Cologne Development. He was sent to South America to start speculating for oil fields. He was like, really, he was like the first Halliburton before Halliburton was Halliburton. <laughs> this dude was super great at finding oil fields and understanding them. This guy was a fucking badass in like geological terms and really That's like sweet. he was one of the first like pioneers in this field. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're here for with him. He went on this deal called the Cologne development, which was supposed to, which began in 1917. It got lost. The expedition got lost, Josh, in South America for Whoa. three fucking years. Whoa. And it was assumed lost. They just, anybody backing him was like, oh, no, Deloise is dead. His people are dead. They're all dead. It's done. It's over, right? But it wasn't. Instead, they tramped around the jungles of South America for three fucking years. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't find, like, these massive stores of oil that he thought he was looking for, 
but he did find something else in the form of proto-human existential terror. Once upon a time, as they were traipsing about the uh, Rio Tara, mm-hmm. which is in, uh, it's so it's like on the Venezuela border. Uh, they're tramping around the jungle, and on this river, two they come across a pair of six foot tall apes, and they're walking upright. They're covered in red fur. These are obviously taller than the natives because this is South America, and the natives in South America are not tall. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So they approach the party. And then they kind of get a good look at the party and they get real pissy about it. And this is all related from Deloy when they come up on these two, this, this pair of monkeys, I guess you should call them great apes technically, but they come across this pair of great apes and, um, they become real shitty. They start, you know, howling and screeching and throwing their poop. And I want to mention really quick that the throwing the poop response, according to Jane Goodall is only behavior that's exhibited in captive animals. Interesting. It's just a thing. It's just a side note that I want to point out, but I think I thought it was kind of like a neat little side note, right? No, that is, yeah, so, that is it. Yeah. It, it's just a thing, but it's just like this guy's like, oh, yeah, they're throwing their shit at us. Well, we're about to find out that Deloitte's is lying, Josh. I'm sorry. Spoilers here. But so the Deloitte and the party, they make a prayer to the saint, to the patron saint of uh, colonialism, St. Dick. And they give those goddamn monkeys what for, and they kill the female in the male-female pair. Female. Remember, they killed the female, Josh, because, again, some stuff is about to pop up here. Mm. Um, They kill the female. Deloitte takes measurements because this is, obviously, the first, you know, giant six-ish foot tall monkey covered in red fur we've ever seen that's walking upright on two legs. He notes that... It has the same, it has 32 teeth in its skull, just like a human does. It also does not have a tail. That is why it is an ape and not a monkey. Oh, okay. yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's super important to note here that in this region, they have their own cryptid called El Mono Grande. Do you know what El Mono Grande means in Spanish, Josh? Uh, the, the, the big one? The big alone one? Uh, no, the big monkey. El Mono. Mono oh, is monkey. Okay. Well, mono so. hand, hand monkey, whatever. Yeah. Grande oh, is big. I was... oh, okay, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Sorry. I might have also some, yeah, don't, fucking... Don't even, don't even worry Wrong about Island iced teas are kind of <laughs> rocking my shit as well. We're <laughs> fucking gunmetal gray. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I just keep drinking it, and I'm like, what are you putting into yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so he then props the monkey, he, he then props the body up on a crate, sticks a stick under it, and sitting in the upright position, and I'm going to send you this picture now. Mm, okay. And um, this is, like, a super infamous photo in, like, this thing kind of, like, kicks a huge, the, in the way that the Cardiff giant kicked an anthill for giant sightings, this kicked an anthill in giant ape dumb. I don't know what you would call it. Giant ape dumb. That's a good word for it. Giant ape dumb. This is freaky. Get it? Yeah, this thing is yeah. freaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three years of tramping around the jungle, the the body deteriorates. They're not gonna get to keep it, right? Well, yeah, because it's because it's hot and humid and all right, yeah. Hot and humid, yeah. And then like really the 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 nail in the coffin of a specimen here. Especially with, like, it had 32 teeth. Humans have 32 teeth. This is a huge fucking deal, right? 
Apparently, the skull deteriorated because Deloy had cut it off and used it as a salt container. I, I, Which I, I, I mean... I, is my favorite note about anything that I've ever read ever. That a shit a thing got fucked up because a dude stored salt in it. I which is so funny too because you typically think like oh yeah salt that's like a like a preservative that's like how you like store th- things long terms but yeah like using it as a salt container makes it deteriorate <laughs> even faster but I I guess I can also kind of see that. Alleged yeah allegedly Deloitte took. Uh, several photographs a multitude of photographs of this thing but tramping it through the jungle for three years fucked all of those up so only the one that i sent you that's the only extant photograph of the Deloitte's ape right yes and you know he just kind of he didn't forget about it but you're lost in the jungle for three years so other stuff kind of starts to take like you know the the the, the first seat of priority right so right. now we enter our idiot a Swiss anthropologist named George Montandon, who was also a friend of Deloy, found the photo, and he lost his goddamn mind. He named this creature Anthropoides... Anthro... <clears throat> Amera... God damn it. Fucking Latin, Josh. I hate fucking... What's his nuts? Uh, Carl Linnaeus. I Carl, hate him so Carl fucking Linnaeus. much. Carl Linnaeus. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. Here's a monkey here. Um, <laughs> he named it Amera... <clears throat> One more time, sorry. Ameranthropoides loisi, which I guess is American ape-like loisi, I think, if I'm doing this right. This immediately drew controversy from the scientific community. A guy named Sir Arthur Keith, and I am 98% sure you just mentioned Sir Arthur Keith talking about... No, Pokemon. yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. him. So, fucking c- c- comeback, <laughs> Sir Arthur Keith points out that the Deloitte's ape looks l- a lot like a thing called an Ateli's Bellsbuth or a spider monkey that is endemic to the region mm-hmm. of South, or in certain regions of South America. There's also this complete lack of a body. There's no head with the 32 teeth in it, which is such a huge deal. And the single photograph that he took only shows the front. It doesn't show the lack of a tail. The lack of the tail would be the big indicator here. Right. Because number one, there's no great apes in South America. Great apes are localized right. like to, you know, like orangutans in Asia and then gorillas and chimps in Africa. Right, right, right. The, yeah. There is not South an endemic popul- population of apes. So every monkey in South America has a tail, and this thing should allegedly not have, or this thing doesn't have a tail, but we don't have a photograph supporting that. But also, Josh, I sent you that picture. Go ahead and zoom in, like, at crotch region really quick, and tell me what you see. Like, I didn't want to mention it specifically, but since you since you asked, uh, yeah, yes. there is something that looks like... Yeah, like a dong, like a like a monkey dong. It's a penis. Yeah, this fucking monkey has a penis, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it doesn't have a back tail, but it sure shooting has its front tail here, <laughs> right? And remember, Josh, they shot the female of the pair. There was a male and a female. Oh, that's mm, that's right. All right. Um. So you know, there's that little bit. There's also this deal that Deloitte was super reticent about discussing this thing. And the way, and I'm not sure how this shook down because this is 1920, but it kind of sounds like uh, Montandon just found this picture and really, really pressed uh, Deloitte to talk about it. 
And he did talk about it. He talked about it one time, and this is where we get this account. Deloitte reported to a newspaper this, like, accounting. And to be fair, it was, like, essentially the son of that period. Like, this would be, like, giving your statement to the National Enquirer. Right. No one's going to take it seriously. (laughs) You're already starting with, like, negative 20% loyalty to make a civilization joke. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Um, a final, like the final real big nail in this coffin is that Montandon turns out to be the fucking super Saiyan of racist. <sighs> like this dude is so fucking racist that it made my head hurt. Like, oh, that's not good. Oh, no, not at all. And I think this is kind of like a reaction to Piltdown Man a little bit, just a mm. kind, just a tiny kind of bit. Because, like, this weird idea that white people are better in 1920. Like, yeah. I, I mean, even now, whatever, yeah. But, like, especially yeah. in 1900, oh, whites were the one to win, right? Right, yeah. So, um, uh, Montandon's signature move was this little thing called hologenesis. It's a theory that posited that every single non-white race had its own link fossil, like, or link in the evolutionary chain yeah. that somehow, because we don't know how evolution works, because it's only 1920 mm-hmm. and we're still getting there, that every single race has its own progenitor ape species. Oh, so yeah. he said that gorillas and chimps made up Africa, and then he also thought that orangutans made up, like, Asians. Like, if <sighs> this is the most racist shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Yeah, that's... His writings yeah. went on to fucking influence Hitler in some of his shit. Like... That's where the Nazi stuff comes in. Like You're this right. dude was all about it. And he was an anthropologist. He was respected in the field at the time. Asterix. Like there's an asterisk on yes. this. Like yeah. in his field, this dude at the time was hot shit and people fucking bought into it. Josh, they bought into it so goddamn hard that they believed in like this hologenic or so they bought into this shit so fucking hard that they just ignored all of the hologenesis bullshit because it is bullshit. Like very clearly like orangutans are not a homo gorillas are not a homo chimps are not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they bought into it so fucking hard that it wasn't until 1990, Josh, when I was two, two years old, you were three, I think 1990. It wasn't until 1990 that the idea that this fucking ape wasn't the weird interim, like, missing link for American Indians was disputed by two goddamn dick-swinging awesome dudes. Okay, yes. 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 One guy named Michael Rayland and the other guy, my personal lord and savior, Lauren fucking Coleman came out and said, this is all wrong. This is all stupid. And then they looked into it. And come to find out the whole thing. Yes. God damn. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got to be strong and he's got to be bold and he's going to punch the in the eye. (laughs) Like, oh, man, these two dudes come out. And they say that this is all bullshit. They point out how the image that I sent you has uh, what looks like banana trees. Now, this might seem like a silly thing, but there was not banana trees in this region at the time. And the going theory is that this was just a dead fucking spider monkey that Deloitte put on a crate and put a stick underneath. You're right. Well, yeah, because if you... If you haven't already, listeners, if you go and look up this image yourself, yeah, there's clearly 
It's yeah, gonna be on the Instagram. Two wizards okay, yes. Instagram. Yes, two but, wizards. But yeah, it's like Potsy one on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it's like Chin is like propped up on a on a stick, so it's like looking kind of somewhat at the camera as opposed to like flopped over. But it's a really weird image. It's, it's a, a it's, it's a, a weird. Yeah, it's an unsettling. Just the like the image itself is enough to make you like want to believe. Like cue mm-hmm. that fucking X X Files. Yeah. But so 1990 was when they disputed this. But come to find out, in 1962, a guy named Enrique Tejara, who is I forget his position. He was a big he was a he was a big deal. Okay, back yep. when, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He explained he was a friend of Deloitte, and he explained that this monkey was a pet of Deloitte's, and it had fucking ah. died. So he just took a picture of it. Oh wow! So really, all this was. Was goddamn fucking Montandan just being racist as shit and really just supporting his hollow genesis theory? Yeah, that's. <sighs> yeah, f- Isn't that yeah, dumb? Doesn't that, that piss you off? Fuck like, man, you're lying to the scientific community to be a racist piece of shit. And you know what? I can't even, like, say, oh, the politics of the time. This dude got killed. Um,. In, this guy got killed in France when the Nazis invaded, and I think that's fucking hilarious. Because like sounds about he appropriate. Helped. Yeah, he like helped just so much. He helped so much, and like Hitler was influenced by this dude's writings allegedly. Put the put the asterisk there too, because whatever. But like, yeah, this dude was a colossal anti-Semite. Like he was just a bad guy. And I almost wonder if we have such disrespect for anthropologists because of shit like this, I, you know, like, no, I, so if you were to tell me, Josh, like, Hey, I've given up the ghost of uh, classical Greek theater and I'm an anthropologist. I'd be like, Oh, so you're going to go fucking work in a grocery store like me. Like, (laughs) I think that that's where we're at. And I think it's because of shit like this. No, like it's exactly. Yeah. Damn. It's because, it's exactly because of shit like this. And it, cause yeah, the whole like anthropology is, is a, is, is a fraught man. Like, I feel like I'm like stepping on eggshells and being like, okay, here I am in theater, but also the ancient <laughs> Greeks still had valuable and worthwhile stuff. No man. Like uh, so much of anthropology is just, Dude, I will take Paula to Dana every time over Hollow Genesis. Well, like, yes, absolutely. Um, and just like the like, you're lying to justify this shit that is so like, yeah. Asian people evolve from orangutan. Oh like, my god! Just, just, yes, it's like just, uh, <laughs> it's it, it it is. It's and that's even like I was just saying this a minute ago. My, yeah, like, squishy, why can't we all get along, middle child syndrome. Like, that, like, jams on the brakes with both feet to be like, okay, no, fuck you. Like, you, (laughs) no, that's not, that's not. I just, uh, and it's fucking Swiss. Like, and everyone's all, and and I know it means literally nothing at all, but he's also Swiss. Like, you're supposed to be better, you piece of shit, but but whatever. But, but, but Swiss is at this, like, yeah, like, Switzerland is at this, like, weird, like, convergence of, like, German and Italian and French so if there's any it's like a nexus point, yeah, yeah. So if there's anybody that should kind of have the idea of like, oh no, wait a sec, like multiple things can come out of one source. It's not like we're in these like 
siloed off tracks like, oh, I came from this monkey. Which monkey did you come from? No, fuck you. Um, yeah, that's oh, that's bad. That's bad. That's Deloitte's ape, right? It's just dumb. Like, it's <sighs> yeah. dumb racism. It's a dumb racism hoax that literally had the fucking crypto. Or like, the, 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 like, I don't want to well, say yeah, cryptozoology because like, yeah, that's not the right word. Even like, this shit was like, it's just this. I remember being a kid and like reading books and like. One of the, like, supporting things was, like, yeah, the Deloitte's ape. It's definitely, like, this weird South American Bigfoot. Like, I, I remember clearly seeing that picture when I was in, like, thir- second or third grade, and it, like, blew my head apart. And I was like, holy shit, here's this fucking human-sized monkey that walks on two legs. Like, yeah, yeah. it was insane. Well, And and it's just a fucking spider monkey. That's, that's all there is to it. Like, right. And, oh, my God. Yeah, there's just so much. So this is very clear racism. This is very clearly a fake. And this next one, I'm not so sure, question mark? (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. I'm Ron Burgundy? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The Minnesota Iceman. Have you ever heard of the Minnesota Iceman, Josh? No, I don't think I have. That's fine. It's okay. It's weird. It's obscure. Like, I know about it, but I'm this type of person. So, around some point in the mid-1960s, a former Air Force pilot named Frank Hansen began showing this thing that he called the Cyberskoy Creature to malls, to fairs, to weird pop-up overnight carnies. Anybody that would host him, he would show this creature. It was a large six-foot-ish hairy ape looking guy and he's kind of in the position of like a lady who has the vapors like he's fallen and like the left or the hand is over the head and oh lord i can't like <laughs> it's it's literally a fainted lady from the south like that's all i can call this right oh my gosh this thing was exhibited in a giant hermetically sealed coffin with a thick glass lid and it was refrigerated in, in encased in ice it also had uh, um, what looked, maybe you could call it this, if you can see through, you know, ice and then weird obscuring glass. It looked like exit wound in the chest, entrance wound in the head. Mm. So it got shot in the back and then like, you know, double tap in the head, always be sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He exhibited this thing at literally any venue that would host him. And his explanation that was either this thing was found frozen somewhere on like the side, the, the Russian Japanese border and was bought by a millionaire that was somehow like co, I don't know what you call that sold or like leased or whatever to Hansen, or he shot it when he was in Vietnam. Mm. And this is an interesting point because there is a weird Vietnamese version of Bigfoot. It's an upright ape that runs around on two legs and it's taller than you and me. But like, People like American GIs talk about it, but also Vietnamese, like natives, they also have this like story. So he kind of switches where he got it from. And I get it. You're a sideshow guy. This is your deal. You got to like, you got to sell this narrative and that's cool. Right. But so one day in 1967 at the Chicago Livestock Exchange, a a zoology student from Minnesota named Terry Cullen saw the Iceman. He thought, like, holy shit, this is one of these missing links. And Again, this is 1967. Like, I gotta stop and think about this a little bit. I've, I, I am nostalgic for a time that I've never been to. 
but you can go to this and you can go see this thing frozen in a block of ice. And it's like, yeah, I shot this eight man in Vietnam and, or I bought it off some Russians. Like that shit's <laughs> insane already. But so he contacts, holy shit, Josh, like this is insane to me too. He contacts literally the first cryptozoologist of all time, Bernard Wavelman. The guy that, like, coined the term, the guy that, like, discovered the Okapi back in, like, 1920-something or whatever that up until this point was not a real thing. This dude is, like, the real fucking, like, patron saint of cryptozoology, but also my second lord and savior, Ivan T. Sanderson. Yes. You might remember yes, him from yes, such yes. episodes as Terrorist Attack when he shot the fucking Kangamato in Africa, right? Played that... So we he, shop music. Dun, 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 dun. Ivan T. Sanderson. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ivan T. Like two of my heroes, Lauren Coleman and Ivan Sanderson, right? In the same room together. <laughs> but so he contacts these guys and says, look, you need to look into this shit. And so they track down Hanson on his farm in Wisconsin. And after drinking a whole bottle of scotch, a lot of shit that I pointed out, Mm-hmm. Reference that they drank a whole bottle of scotch. Yep. Hansen didn't want to show him. He was reticent about it. He's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, come on, homie. Come on, just do this. So he, after a whole bottle of scotch, he leads these guys to a refrigerated trailer on his property mm. and shows them the Iceman. It takes them three days to photograph, to sketch, to look at, to analyze. Now, Hansen does not let them, like, defrost the creature and look at it because, well, that would ruin the illusion, right? Right, right. But he gives him, kind of sounds like he gives him carte blanche to just look at this thing. And after three days, they are, they are like affirmed that this thing is the real deal. And so Ivan T. Sanderson, and it's important to note again, again, I am nostalgic for Mm -hmm. a time that I never experienced. Mm -hmm. He goes on to the tonight show with Johnny Carson (laughs) and talks about the Iceman and he names it homo pangoides. Or the ape-like man. Mm. He says that this is, in fact, a, a, a living, an extant living fossil of the link between man and ape. This is it. This is the first thing that Hansen asked them to not do, was to publicize it. <laughs> he asked them specifically, please do not talk about this shit. So Sanderson goes on Johnny Carson, Josh. Oh I want to see Lauren Coleman on whoever's hosting tonight's show and be like, oh yeah, fucking Bigfoot's real. I want to see that shit. Then he names it. He get, he fucking classifies this thing and says it is a Link fossil. That's, oh my God. <laughs> also, the one thing that Hansen asked them to not fucking do, <laughs> he, he does. And also, you might remember, I've talked about Sanderson a lot, and I love this dude, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's kind of stupid. Sanderson should know better. He yeah. got in trouble in the 1950s for declaring that a giant species of penguin lived on the beach in southern Florida, and it was really just a dude with cast iron penguin, like, <laughs> fin slippers that he walked up the beach every now and then just to fuck with people. Because once again, we're just fucking with you guys. We're just gonna fuck with you. This is what we do. We're human fucking beings. We're just gonna mess with you guys. Oh my God. <laughs> Sanderson should know better. Yeah. As I die. Yeah. <coughs> he should have known better, but he didn't. And immediately the scientific community is like, are you fucking high? <laughs> we have one body that you are not allowed to examine. Under a sheet of ice, under a sheet of glass. Like, so already the shit you're looking at is bad, right? <laughs> Um, at some point, Hansen mentions that he had a replica created. So, like, 
He had the, like, the OG, the real thing in his possession. But at some point, like, as he was touring, he's like, I shouldn't be showing this. It's like when you go to museums and you look at the replications of the, like, yes. image. Mm-hmm. You're not looking at the Mona Lisa. You're looking at a, a replication of her. And that makes sense. I get it. And so Hansen had it, too. But he also keeps swapping his stories. He also says, I found it, I shot it in Vietnam, or I got it from the, you know, oil billionaire who sold it to me from his trip to Russia. This shit keeps changing, right? <laughs> and at some point, like, it just gets lost. The the the, the original Minnesota Iceman body, um, Hansen's family members talk about how he had a weird foam rubber, like, fake body that had like the hairs drilled in individual and shit like this. But the original is lost and he has the fake and that's fine. But this is where we're leaving off tonight. We don't have a final answer for the Minnesota Iceman. When he allegedly killed this thing in Vietnam, maybe kind of sort of, he said he sent it home in a body bag. And I know how shitty and weird that sounds, but do you know how many fucking drugs were trafficked out of Vietnam sent home in body bags? Um, I'm sure it was a, a lot. ton, yeah. a ton, Josh. All the goddamn enough goddamn drugs to believe that I also shot this hairy dude, and <laughs> it's now Homo pungoides. There's no satisfying answer for the Minnesota Iceman. We can't chalk it up to racism. Maybe this dude did, in fact, have a fucking, like, actual missing link. Or maybe he didn't. But, goddamn. Yeah, like. And since I don't have a satisfying ending for you, I'm just going to tell you that this is the ending of this. Like, these are fucking hoaxes. But this last this, one is still kind of a mystery. Yeah, we just And goddamn, our fucking wrong island iced tea is amazing. <laughs> and I don't know where I am. Have I been podcasting for two hours? Who could say? Is it a hoax? <laughs> is there a transitionary podcast that I didn't read? I don't know. <laughs> right. Oh, my, yeah. We just, uh, but especially with this one, we just don't fucking know. And funny. like. Yeah. You got to take Sanderson with a grain of salt because he was also a TV person. Sanderson, for all intents and purposes, was like the OG, like George Sukalakis, like oh, yes. the ancient, mm-hmm. the, the, the aliens yeah. with the hair. Yeah, like yeah, the he hair. was really just this dude, like the proto version of this. But yeah, man, like. Well, but I think we've established is that. Yeah, us not knowing and sometimes rushing to conclusions or hopping on the bandwagon that's also not a unique or like a novel phenomenon like that's that's happened that's happened for like hundreds of years if not even Same thousands as it ever of years was man right right and so even if these things have turned out to be hoaxes or we're not sure in the case of the Minnesota Iceman you know what like uh, we're still tapping into something that like is is like lying at the root of what it means to yeah be a hominid living on this spinning blue marble okay listeners yeah you'll see by the title that we're talking about hoaxes but maybe for just those like two or three seconds you got caught up and you're like wait a sec what what and if that's the case do you believe have have you, Do you believe? have have you had some experience of like oh yeah I have a jackalope mounted above my uh, uh, fireplace or I don't or if or if have 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 you hoaxed somebody or something have you like 
stitched a frog and a chicken together and tried to pass it off for your eighth grade science fair project. Do you believe in the hologenesis theory? <laughs> Tell us. Well, Tell me that you exist. Tell me that you're an idiot. I want to <laughs> know. <laughs> and you can do that. Did tonight's episode ways. change your mind? You go, man, this is kind of fucked up, huh? <laughs> huh? All right, I guess them Chinese didn't come from orangutans. I'll be goddamn, my granddaddy was wrong. I don't know why you're automatically Southern. You could be from Wyoming. Yeah, could be. Could be. Let us know. Are you from Douglas, Wyoming? We would love to hear from you. And there's a couple Wyoming, ways. Wyoming, you listen to us. We see yes, you fucking we see listening. You. We see you. And we want to hear from you. You can send an email to two wizards podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at two wizards pod C one. We're on Instagram. Like Mark mentioned, uh, two wizards on Instagram. That's it. I still, and, and, and two wizards podcast. I don't know. I'm bad at Instagram. It doesn't really get updated. So, but fucking trying. I'm, that's, that's okay. Maybe that's the, the, the missing link in this social media. <laughs> evolutionary chain um, to when mark learns how to use instagram <laughs> but mark is also on twitter at marky stardust i'm on twitter at plaid barbarian and our sister podcast our evolutionary link where we've split off uh is also the dang old podcast mark tell us more about what's going on there in arlen texas and what you and Johnny are discovering about life there. Yeah, uh, Dangle Podcast, the weekly King of the Hill podcast, where we take two episodes of King of the Hill and talk about, like, like Johnny loves this show. I don't love it. I have fond memories of it, but I definitely fell off that wagon at some point, and we're trying to pinpoint it down. Or We're now into season four. Like, Peggy has fallen out of the plane and lived. She's gotten her TBI. And now she's becoming a shitty person. Mm. It's great. We talk about fun shit on there. Yeah, like, and, 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 like, we're in season four, so you guys are still getting me loving a thing. And that's a really good feeling, because, goddamn, I know that I hate a thing later on. But, yeah, check us out over there at uh, Dangle Podcast. So, there it is. And, yes, I think more than anything, if there's nothing else that you take away from this episode... Because, yes, we talk about silly things. We talk about unicorns and mermaids and, uh, oh, here are these standing stones. What do they mean? Like, yes, we absolutely delight and revel in that kind of stuff. But then also when things are, like, clearly fake and clearly forged, we it is a wizard's duty to point it out and say, like, no, this is this is this is stupid it's leading to horrible things. It's leading to bad science. It's leading to Nazism. But if it's something that, yeah, you're just going to like, yeah, get 10 bucks off of them Yankees coming to Douglas, Wyoming, that part's okay. But do you have a do piece you have of a- graph taxidermy that you want to sell me? Fucking hit me up because there's a solid chance if I'm drunk, I'll buy it. <laughs> right. And we would love we, we would love to hear from you about that. Um, but thank you for joining us. It's been a real treat. On the one hand, I kind of want to make a Frankenstein's whatever the hell I called this. On the other hand, <laughs> I probably don't. But at any rate, my name is Josh and I'm a wizard. 
And my name is Mark, and I am a wizard. We definitely are not selling you fake ape cryptids, <laughs> but we're selling you some really solid podcast stuff. Thank you for listening. We love you all, everyone. Have a good night, guys. Take care. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all!